Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel. And today we're going to be looking at the late round wide receivers and not all of them because there's a good amount of late round wide receivers, about six or seven that I've pinpointed that I think make for really good options in those later rounds that you'll be able to get because they're going a little bit later than they should. I'm going to have them ranked higher. If you get the draft guide, which is going to be releasing tomorrow, I'll put up a little banner. The draft guide is releasing tomorrow, June 15th. So keep an eye out for that. Thanks to Monkey Knife Fight sponsoring it. The logo up above, it's only going to be $10, a third of the price if you normal if you're eligible for that offer in the state that you live in. So be sure to check that out. All that information will be linked up down below in this video, as well as all my other videos. I'll be bringing out some stuff on Twitter about it. I'll be putting out some stuff in the discord again, free down below. And if you don't want to get it yet, or you have not gotten it yet, you can take a little bit of a preview by getting the top 25 running back rankings, which are linked down below in the description. So thank you all for being here. The late round wide receivers are going to take a little bit of a first look at it in this video with a couple of names. And then later in the week, I'll get through the rest of them because there's a good amount of them. Unlike the running backs, which we already did, there's not a ton of late round running backs that provide a lot of upside. Whereas receivers, since you can just have three or four receivers on the field at a time in an offense when usually there's only one to at most two running backs in the field at a time in an offense in the NFL in a given week in a given play, the upside for just having those later round wide receivers actually be impactful for your team and guys in the 10th, 11th, 12th rounds of 12 man leagues, which we'll be looking at today for the ADP, those guys, there's going to be somebody there that probably finishes in a multiple of them as a top 30, maybe even a top 25, top 20 wide receiver if some things break their way or they just bust out onto the scene similar to OBJ, his rookie season. So we're going to go through a couple of names today. I'm excited to do so. And if this is your first time here, welcome. My name is Sal Vetri. I cover fantasy sports in a variety of different sports right now. We're really buckling down for the NFL season during this preseason time, building up a catalog of videos, which is in the 2020 fantasy football playlist you can see here on the YouTube channel. So after you watch this video, if you like it, feel free to just roam around the channel, check out some things and also hit the like button of this video helps the video out. But the big one, the big one, smash that big subscribe button that just popped up onto the screen. Tap the notification bell as it shows you in that big old little animated GIF because what that does is tells YouTube, hey, these people are engaging in the video. They're saying, yes, we want to watch more of this guy's content by subscribing. We like it. And that makes YouTube say, well, let's show this to more people in the search engine side of things. So thank you so much. If you do that, it really does help this channel in a free way. It's a way to support me and helps it grow to newer heights. So thank you. So what do you say that we get into it? Everything is linked down below. And let me know the question right now of the day. Would you rather own Nikhil Harry, the Patriots former first round pick from last year, wide receiver, or Alan Lazard, who profiles out right now to be the Packers wide receiver too early as I record this? So which wide receiver would you rather own? They're both late round options. What we're going to be looking at in this specific video is wide receivers that are being taken in rounds 10 or later for 12 team formats. So at pick 120 or later. So those guys that I just mentioned, Nikhil Harry and Alan Lazard, they're actually being taken before pick 120, guys like Christian Kirk. So if you're looking for those names or wondering why they're not in this video, they're actually being already taken before pick 120. For the purpose of this video, we'll look at those later round guys being taken after pick 120 in the 10th round or later in 12 team formats, PPR formats for a redraft. And we're going to start it up right now with the man on the screen behind me, the USC rookie pick right now in the second round, the second pick in the second round went right after T Higgins to the Cincinnati Bengals is Michael Pittman. And according to Fantasy Pros, which I'll pop up right now, the ADP currently for Michael Pittman, he's going as the 145th overall player, which makes him the wide receiver 54 going off the board. That's right around where I have him in in the non-PPR formats. In PPR formats, I have him right around wide receiver 52. And I think this is pretty good. This is based on PPR formats. I think this is a good spot to have him. You're not getting him as an extreme value. But the thing that I do think is that right now, Fantasy Pros, their ADP, a lot of people that are drafting in April and May, they just keep up with the draft. They keep up with rookies. Once it gets into 
into July and August and really deep into August, a lot of people might not know as much about the rookies and Michael Pittman. I think you're going to see his ADP, if anything, stay the same or potentially even fall, but I think it should be higher than that. I actually like getting him here. He's a really good value that you can have in your 11th or 12th rounds for Michael Pittman, wide receiver 54 off the board right now. And I think it's a value and let me explain why. So I'll pop up his profile and these profiles are going to be in the draft guide. You can go ahead, you can check it out tomorrow. It's going to be releasing. You can get into the discord to be notified or just follow along in all these videos. But here's a piece of his profile. It's not the entire profile. I have these for every single rookie that was drafted and plays a position at wide receiver, tight end or running back. You can see in 2019, over 100 receptions, over 1,250 yards, over 11 touchdowns on 133 targets, a very nice and elite wide receiver one target share of 26.5%. He also has a vlogging YouTube channel, I believe with his girlfriend. So over a thousand views on those videos as well, if you want to throw that in there. But he played just 7.2% of the time in the slot. And the Colts have already said, we want to use him as the X receiver, which means the outside primary receiver on the outside for Phillip Rivers. In 2018, he saw 18.4 yards per reception. It dropped to 12.6 last year, but his reception numbers just in general kind of skyrocketed. So the more receptions you have, usually the less and the lower your yards per reception, just because it's harder to sustain such huge deep ball upside, the more receptions that you're having. Odds are that a lot of them are intermediate to shorter passes once you start catching those. He did see 22 deep targets last year and he forced 14 missed tackles. And he was a very elusive wide receiver, almost running back-esque in that manner. So he's the big body receiver that they want to use as the X on the outside. You can profile him out. sort of what Vincent Jackson was for Phillip Rivers when they were in the Los Angeles Chargers or the San Diego Chargers at that point. Paris Campbell, the second year player from Ohio State is going to move into the slot. And then T.Y. Hilton on the outside with Jack Doyle, the tight end on the field at times. And whichever running back that they use between Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Himes, and Marlon Mack on that given play looks to be what that offense profiles out with Philip Rivers leading the way at quarterback. Now some positives and negatives that I kind of just wrote down after watching film and doing a little more analysis during the draft process on him was the positives is he's just NFL ready. He has the size, he has the speed, um, a 4.52 speed for a wide receiver of his 6'4", 223 base is very good. He only had five drops on 176 catchable passes. He's very good one-on-one when it comes to just getting separation. His catch radius is elite. Some of the only things that maybe are downsides based on watching some of the film versatility. He didn't really play in the slot as much, but if they don't want to use him that way, that's completely fine. Not every wide receiver, look at Mike Evans, goes into the slot really ever. A little after the catch, so that's another issue, which is something that you usually do develop in the NFL. If anything, you can start to learn the game a little bit more. And then his offense might have inflated his numbers playing in USC, playing in the conference that they did. But Michael Pittman in general looks like a stud. I strongly think the positives outweigh the negatives. And the fact that he went in the early second round, he would have been a wide receiver one in any other draft. When six wide receivers, seven wide receivers are being taken in pretty much the first round, T. Higgins gets taken with the first pick in the second round by the Bengals. Michael Pittman and really any other draft would have been a first round pick in those mid to early 20s. So what else did the Colts do in the offseason? Well, they obviously added Phillip Rivers. So that's very good for Michael Pittman, a guy who likes to be aggressive, a guy who likes to throw the ball downfield, check out a run plays, maybe more than any other quarterback in the league when trailing, he'll check out a run play like that if he has the ability and his offense to. And I imagine he will in this offense based on the money he's getting paid. They lose some pieces in terms of Devin Funches, who really never played with this team one game. Eric Ebron, some spots there that are going to really not as much affect Michael Pittman as much as it'll help guys like Jack Doyle. And mainly Paris Campbell will be affected because Chester Rogers is also not on the team, the former slot receiver, who's actually maybe the poor man's Jamison Crowder of the league. He was actually pretty efficient and effective out of the slot, just never really got a ton of volume. In the NFL draft, they take Michael Pittman, somebody that uh, the Colts general manager for months was saying beforehand to other people like Colin Coward behind the scenes that he wants Michael Pittman and he would love to get Jonathan Taylor. And then he would even like to get JK, Jacob Easton later. And then months later, he gets all three of them. They trade up for Jonathan Taylor. They get another wide receiver 
receiver and an interior offensive lineman later in the draft. So I think this offense is setting up very nicely. It's definitely young when you're talking about the backfield, when you're talking about still the offensive line being very good. It's young on that regard. And the skill positions are really young, right? You have Jonathan Taylor. He's a younger player. You have Naeem Himes, who hasn't been in the league for all that long, still has two years left on his first deal. Michael Pittman, of course, is as a rookie. You're going to have second year player Paris Campbell. So still some inexperience on this offense, but it just gives way for opportunity for Michael Pittman. So what is the target competition going to look like for a man in Michael Pittman here? Well, we know T.Y. Hilton, the veteran out there. Paris Campbell will be playing out of the slot primarily where he played while he was at Ohio State. Jack Doyle, Zach Pascal, who was actually pretty decent last year filling in for the injured Paris Campbell and the injured T.Y. Hilton and, and Eric Ebron quitting down the stretch. He was the wide receiver one on this team, and we'll talk more about him. And then Marcus Johnson, to an extent, he had one or two big weeks last year when all those injuries were occurring. And by big weeks, I just mean somewhat productive, like your 60 to 70 yard weeks. So let's get into it, starting with T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton, as he has been for many years in his career, played just banged up, only played 10 games and half of those 10 games he was playing probably banged up. He produced on 73.9% of the snaps, a 45 reception season for over 500 yards, barely five touchdowns. And he did see 24.6% of the red zone share in the target share, but in the red zone, he saw 24.2%. So he's very active. Usually you never see T.Y. Hilton being a red zone threat, but he started to take on that role. And it was just somebody that Jacoby Brissett trusted in the red zone because he was catching touchdowns, five touchdowns last year, but seeing a ton of red zone targets. And you can tell that by the 24.2% red zone share. He only averaged 12.5 fantasy points per game, ranking 34th. Of course, that number is a little inflated when some wide receivers play one game and have like 70 yards and uh, six receptions. They're going to have a similar point per game, which is obviously not the case when it's just happening in one game. Not sustainable, but just to give you an idea of where he was points per game wise, he ranked 81st in yards per reception. And that increased offensive role in the red zone for him is going to lower that number. You can't have an 18 yard catch when you're on the seven yard line, right? So that kind of reduced it a little bit. And just in general, Brissett was not throwing downfield all that often. He had 7.3 yards per target, which was one of the lowest, I believe the lowest of his entire career. So we're used to T.Y. Hilton as this deep threat and he did have the deep receptions, but he just never saw as much consistency there, maybe because of the injury, but mainly because of this way the offense was set up. It was a little bit more quicker passes indicated by the 7.3 yards per target. And it was more usage in the red zone. Next up is Paris Campbell, who was injured his rookie season, the product out of Ohio State, who while he was at Ohio State in his final year in 2018, caught 90 balls for over a thousand yards, 12 touchdowns on exactly 100 targets. That's 90 receptions on hundred targets. A 90% catch rate is pretty elite. He saw a 17.9% target share while there. Now, last year, he only played seven games. And similarly to T.Y. Hilton, he was banged up for most of those seven games. On 43% of the team snaps, he only saw a 10.7% target share, but it did bump up to 15.2% in the red zone, catching only 18 of 24 targets in those seven games for 127 yards and a touchdown. Look, he was a rookie. So just in general, you're not going to get a ton of usage. And the fact that you only play in less than half the games on the season hurts that even more. But I mean, this guy dealt with everything last year when it came to injuries. It wasn't just one thing. It wasn't just two things. He ended up missing two games with an abdominal strain. Then he misses four games with a hand fracture. Then he misses three games with a foot fracture. The guy was just absolutely glassed last season. And the hope is that this year, that that exceptional talent that they spent a second round pick on last year can be a nice weapon for them out of the slot now that he's finally healthy and over all of these assortment and array of injuries. Jack Doyle should now be the primary tight end in this offense since they no longer have Eric Ebron. And Jack Doyle is going to come in after last year playing. 75% of the snaps. He had 73 targets, seeing a 14.8% target share, catching 43 of those and four touchdowns. He was active in the red zone as tight ends usually are with a 20% target share and 10.4 yards per reception ended up ranking 24th amongst tight ends. So very meh to say the least. And then finally, the wide receiver won for a decent amount of weeks for the Colts last season was Paris Cambeau, the Frenchman himself, 82.5% of the snaps in 14 games. He caught 41 balls for over 600 yards, 
five touchdowns on 72 targets. It ended up being a 16.6% target share, 20% it bumped up to in the red zone, but he was pretty good. I mean, he finished as a top 16 wide receiver four times last year in PPR formats. He was the wide receiver number two in week seven with 28.6 fantasy points. So he was balling out. If you factor him being a top 35 receiver or better, he was a top 35 receiver seven times last year. So he was active for half the season last year. Zach Pascal, the issue now is Michael Pittman likely going to be above him. The issue now is he's not going to play out of the slot with Paris Campbell there and he's just going to be rotated in I assume with Pittman and maybe if any injuries occur so Pascal I would assume is going to be immediately behind Pittman based on draft capital and the excitement and already the coach is saying that Michael Pittman will be the ex receiver for Philip Rivers in the Colts offense so Pittman for me coming off the board around wide receiver 54 wide receiver 55 on some sites the ADP where where fantasy pros is taking a consensus on some sites he's still going off the board as like wide receiver 63 64 and I think that's probably where he'll start to go off the board in a lot of drafts come August come July when players just more casual players who didn't follow the draft who are starting to get caught up just won't be drafting him because they have no idea who he is so go get yourself some Michael Pittman the upside for Michael Pittman in this offense is huge yes T.Y. Hilton is there yes they have a great offensive line I want to run first but Philip Rivers loves to throw the ball downfield and his ex receivers usually usually put up big seasons and yards perception numbers I mean look at last year Mike Williams didn't have a, a fantastic season but he averaged 20 yards per reception so he ended up having over a thousand yards just two touchdowns if you tell me that Michael Pittman who I think is better than Mike Williams is going to be filling that role now but has a better route running ability in the short and intermediate range than Mike Williams. The upside for Mike Pittman, Michael Pittman as a rookie, yeah, it is around a thousand yards. That is this guy's upside. It's a thousand yards and six touchdowns type of season. So get me that all day long in those double digit rounds. I've talked about Miko Harbin before as a breakout receiver for this year, and I love the guy. He's currently going up the board as ADP pick 139 overall in drafts. That makes him the wide receiver 53. I have him right around the wide receiver 50, so I think he is a value. And people are just sleeping on him. On some sites, he's going outside the top 60 still. Sure, Sammy Watkins is there. Sure, DeMarc Marcus Robinson came back on a one-year contract. But the man who last year was an absolute beast led the entire league when he was targeted by his quarterback. Number one quarterback rating when targeted from a quarterback to a receiver was Patrick Mahomes to Miko Harmon. Number one player in fantasy points per target with a whopping 2.77 last year. Led the entire NFL in yards per reception at 20.7. Led the entire NFL in yards per target, putting these on the screen right now at 13.1. An absolute monster last year. You're telling me that that type of a talent who you spent a second round pick on in the 2019 draft is going to be behind a guy in the Marcus Robinson, who's a veteran, yes, maybe more so a good locker room guy who is not getting paid that much more to come back for one year. He's going to be behind a guy who Sammy Watkins only showed up week one of last year and then showed up to burn in the biggest moment of the season, Richard Sherman in the Super Bowl. Sure, you really like that, who was saying that he's going to threaten to retire and he doesn't like the game anymore. You really think he's going to be behind him all season long? No, it's going to be a Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and McCole Harmon in this offense, probably by midseason in my opinion. And honestly, it could be even sooner than that. And if that's the case, if you're getting a Tyree Kill, maybe clone, except uh, maybe even bigger and potentially even faster in Mecole Harmon out there, uh, in the Chiefs offense for Patrick Mahomes, it's a cheat code. And we saw a sample of that last year on his 41 targets. So go ahead and get him. And last year he produced 26 receptions on 41 targets, 7.3% of the target share. Yeah, he just wasn't involved a ton. That was the issue. But he had 538 yards and six touchdowns on just those 26 receptions. As I stated, he was seeing 7.1 fantasy points per game. But as I stated, a league high in yards per reception, a league high in yards per target. He was third in the entire NFL in target separation. And I believe his teammate Tyree Kill was also top five in that category. Number one targeted player in the NFL when it comes to QBR of his quarterback when he was targeted. It's just showing how efficient this guy guy was. He's an absolute burner and he's an absolute freak athlete. He's a monster. Now I did mention Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson, obviously coming back on contracts. And I wasn't expecting both of them to be coming back, but you can see right here last year in the regular season, McCall Harmon only outsnapped Demarcus Robinson twice all season long. But as Jared Smola points out in the AFC championship game, he ran more routes. And one of the biggest moments of the entire season, he ran more routes than Demarcus Robinson.
Wisconsin, 21 to 17. So that's good to see. In the Super Bowl, they were pretty neck and neck as well. And now we're getting news over the offseason out of the Chiefs camp that he's not going to be used as much on special teams like he was in the Super Bowl, like he was for most of last year as a return man. They're not sure if he's going to. And if you read more into this Roto World blurb, it pretty much says that he's likely going to have an enhanced role in the offense, which naturally means one, he's more of a weapon for them and more of a priority. So we can't risk him on special teams where it's the most dangerous spot in terms of injuries occurring. And then number two, if he's going to be playing more on offense, just naturally, he's not going to be on special teams as much as playing as many snaps is not going to be possible. So what else did the Chiefs do in the offseason? Well, I pretty much told you everything that's going to impact him. They signed some depth pieces at tight end since they locked lost Blake Bell. They ended up signing Ricky Seals-Jones, a veteran, former Arizona Cardinal, and former Cleveland Brown last year. They get Mike Remmers, an offensive tackle. They get DeAndre Washington as a backup running back to Damian Williams, and now the rookie who they got in the draft, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Also in the draft, they got Lucas Niang, an offensive tackle in the third round. They don't really end up losing much. You can see the losses on the screen. So in terms of the wide receivers, like what happened, what impacted McCole Hardman? Yeah, it was Sammy Watkins restructuring his insane contract that I really didn't think he was going to, and he was threatening retiring, but he restructures. They bring back Demarcus Robinson on a one year deal. So everything possible to really make the cap not pop off right away from McCole Harmon actually ended up happening. But I think this is just suppressing his ADP and he's making him a fantastic value for people in drafts. So he's he's now a guy you can get in the 12th round where if Demarcus Robinson wasn't on this team, he would be going in like the seventh and eighth round in my opinion. And I really don't personally think that Demarcus Robinson is that much of a roadblock for McCole Harmon this year. So the target competition is Tyreek, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, the running backs, and then the 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 Demarcus Robinson range and those types of guys. So I, I'm not too concerned about really any of them outside of Tyreek and Tyreek he'll normally see a decent amount of targets his way last year you saw in the games that he actually played just 12 of them he was seventh in yards per route run with 2.7 sixth in target separation and fifth in fantasy points per route run he saw a 21.9 percent target share which ended up being 88 targets of which he caught 58 of them and he had seven touchdowns on that so yeah Tyreek Hill is going to be efficient he's going to be fantastic obviously this offense can sustain more than one Tyreek Hill and they have to because Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are out there Kelsey last year 94 percent of the snaps the tight end one from the 2019 season, 97 receptions over 1,200 yards and six touchdowns on a 24.4% target share and a whopping 30.2% red zone target share. We know what Kelsey is. He's a monster. But can this offense sustain three weapons? And yes, I do think it can. And you don't need McCole Harmon to finish uh, in the top 10 at wide receiver like you need Tyree Kill based on where you're drafting him. You need McCole Harmon to just finish in the top 35 based on where he's being picked. And honestly, the top 40 makes him a value. And I think he has the upside to finish as a top 25, top 30 guy. So I'll put the stats of Watkins from last year and Demarcus Robinson on the board right now. You can see Robinson only saw uh, 50 targets last season, just 6.7 fantasy points per game. And really all he did was have one big game. In week two, he had six receptions for 172 yards and two touchdowns. And he only had two games over 10 fantasy points. Whereas McCole Harmon was doing that left and right last season when he actually got the opportunity to. He's a much deadlier weapon, and that's why I think he overtakes the man in Demarcus Robinson. So go get yourself some McCole Harmon. He is the second late round wide receiver that I think you should be taking. I don't think they're ranked in any order. I think I have right now McCole Harmon actually one or two spots. Actually, I think it's I think it's three or four spots ahead of Michael Pittman on the late round wide receivers in my overall rankings, which again, link down below June 15th. Tomorrow, based on when I believe I'm going to be releasing this video, you can get the Supreme Draft Guide is releasing. So check all that stuff out. Some of the pre sale stuff if you're watching this on the 14th and it's not out yet will be in the description below the final wide receiver that we will talk about in this specific video is the Bears number two wide receiver, Anthony Miller. And Anthony Miller right now, you can get him as the 147th overall player in PPR formats. According to the Fantasy Pros consensus rankings and ADP rankings right now, that would make him wide receiver 56. Man, oh man, that is a great spot to be getting Anthony Miller. Now, Anthony Miller last year played all 16 games. Although he's played right now in his career, all 16 games, both seasons, he's been battling shoulder injuries the entire time for two years straight. In 2018, he had shoulder surgery after the season that 
was a three to four month recovery. In 2019, he had the exact same shoulder uh, repaired, which took four to six months recovery. And these things lingered during the season. Now he ended up only missing one game in 2018. So he's played in 31 out of 32 games, even though the entire time he's had messed up shoulders. And now it seems like for the first time and really towards the end of last year, for the first time he was healthy and he started balling out. I mean, I'll put up his entire season last year, 16 games. He played 66.5% of the snaps, got 52 balls on 85 targets, was a 15% target share, had two touchdowns. But let's look into a couple of splits, mainly the final eight games, the second half of last season when Anthony Miller started to become sort of the wide receiver one on this team, even ahead of Allen Robinson. Yes, Allen Robinson was outside the top 20 in wide receivers for the second half of the season last year, whereas Anthony Miller was starting to trend miles upward. And that's coming from a guy who loves Allen Robinson, shout out Penn State, but 36 receptions, 445 yards, and a touchdown on 53 targets in those final eight games. He ended up seeing 67.8% of his yards and 69.2% of his receptions over the final eight games. So in the second half of the season, he saw more than two thirds of his production. That means he was just balling out. And he did all that while having to still deal with dusty old noodly arm Mitch Trubisky out there, who hopefully is going to now be upgraded since they ended up signing Nick Foles in the offseason. Trubisky last year was brutal. 209.2 yards per game. He was 18th in true completion percentage and 27th ranked when under pressure and in duress, just a 3.3% touchdown rate, which meant he had 17 touchdowns on his overall targets, 34.4 attempts per game. Now the Bears in the offseason did so much. I'll put up the graphic right now and it's going to cover me because it's so big, but they got Nick Foles was the big one. They ended up signing more tight ends for some reason, drafting Cole Komet with their first pick in the draft, ended up being a second round pick. The tight end, so they end up getting him. They get Jimmy Graham, which they gave him way too much money. Ted Ginn is supposed to fill this Taylor Gabriel role, even though Taylor Gabriel was younger and likely better than Ted Ginn. So nothing really happened for Anthony Miller. They didn't really take any threat in the draft. They took Darnell Mooney, a fifth round wide receiver, who I don't think threatens Anthony Miller. They didn't pick up anybody in free agency. I mean, they signed Ted Ginn, but he's a downgrade to Taylor Gabriel, in my opinion. They signed Trevor Davis, who has been jumping around from the Packers to the Raiders over the last 365 days. He's no threat in my opinion. So yeah, I think that if anything, Anthony Miller, who was already solidifying himself last year while Taylor Gabriel was healthy and on the field, and while a guy in Tariq Cohen was seeing almost 100 targets and right around 100 targets last season, I think Cohen's going to see less passing involvement. If this offense is good, it means it keeps David Montgomery on the field more, which just naturally means that it lifts the target floor and ceiling for Anthony Miller. So what does the target competition look like in Chicago for Anthony Miller? Well, yes, Allen Robinson, who for me right now is a top 10 ranked wide receiver in all formats, even Dynasty, he's up there right now. You have Jimmy Graham, who's coming in from the Packers. Tariq Cohen, who saw a ton of work last year. Again, he saw ended up seeing 104 targets, but that's because they stunk and they were trailing. So they had to put the pass catching running back on the field more in Tariq Cohen. They also used him in the slot. You saw week one last year against the Packers. Thursday night football, it kind of blew a lot of people's minds. He was pretty much used as a slot wide receiver. And then there's just a hodgepodge of Ted Ginn, Cardell, Cordell Patterson Jr is still on this team. So Robinson last year, yeah, he was a beast. 27% overall target share, over 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns on 98 receptions, 153 targets, beast year, 30% red zone share. Jimmy Graham last year, the opposite of a beast, really hasn't been a beast since he left the Saints. 55% of the snaps ended up seeing 11.5% of the overall targets, which amounted out to 63 targets for 38 receptions, 447 yards, and three touchdowns for Jimmy Graham. He was, however, ranked 12th in yards per reception, which he used to be one of the best tight ends in the league at that. But now that he's out of his prime, at least he's still showing that he can be used downfield and utilized downfield in an offense. And then finally, their third best receiver, maybe even the second best receiver last year in this entire team, 
ahead of Anthony Miller, just in terms of pure volume that he saw, was Tariq Cohen, 49.8% of the snaps, a running back that played a lot out of the slot, a guy who was just on the field more because, like I said, they stunk, caught 79 balls on 104 targets. He was so inefficient, though. 79 receptions for 456 yards. He was terrible after contact. He was terrible after the catch. He, he led the entire NFL in running back drops, three touchdowns overall. He was very bad. So in an earlier video that I made, and I'm going to be updating all those must draft videos as the season goes on and pretty shortly at the end of June, probably for this month. But in an earlier video, he was going in like the 14th, 13th round of the drafts. And I said, yeah, you, you got to get Tariq Cohen. Even if he was this inefficient, you still got to get him in my opinion. And now he starts to be going in like the rounds eight and nine and 10 Tariq Cohen. And it's just not a value anymore, similar to what happens and what is happening to Deontay Johnson when you are a great pick because you're getting taken so late, but now you're being taken four, four or five rounds earlier. You're just not a good pick anymore. It's all about value when you're drafting. Like if I think somebody is a fantastic running back option because you get him in the third or fourth round, and let's just say Jonathan Taylor, you're getting in the fourth round of your drafts, fifth round, even in some of the earlier month drafts, that's a great value in my opinion. If he starts getting propped up all the way to the second round, yeah, I can just pass on it. There's no more value. There's no more meat left on the bone. You're drafting somebody at what you want their ceiling to be instead of what right now is their average meat or even their floor. So there's no value when you're drafting them at their ceiling. So for Anthony Miller, for me, I do think that where you're currently drafting him is nowhere near his ceiling. I think Anthony Miller can realistically finish as a top 30 receiver this year. And he's going off the board as like a wide receiver 60. If Anthony Miller is in your starting lineup week in and week out in fantasy, I feel fine about that. But you can draft the guy right now as like your wide receiver five or six. And that feels really, really juicy for a guy whose upside is top 25 receiver on the season at the end of the year. That's the type of ceiling that Anthony Miller has the former second round pick out of Memphis. So those are three guys so far who are late round wide receiver. I'm going to be talking about three more guys in a video coming later this week. And to just give you a little bit of a a teaser for that one, one of the names in that video is going to be none other than Denzel Mims, the New York Jets rookie wide receiver. He's going to be discussed with two other wide receivers. So be sure to check into that video as well. Thank you all for being here. Please do hit that like button before you leave this video and tap the subscribe button. Helps me out so much. And also if you can hit the notification bell and drop down below, get the top 25 running back rankings for currently the 2020 fantasy football season PPR format, by the way. And then tomorrow, June 15th, is when the Supreme Draft Guide is set to release. So be sure to check that bad boy out. I'm very excited. Monkey Knife Fight, the sponsor of this video, is going to be able to get it out to most people watching that are eligible in the state that is allowed to play Monkey Knife Fight for just $10. I've been working on this thing for literally three and a half to four months. There's so much value in there. It's going to blow your socks off in terms of the value for how much cost it is. It's going to be worth it based on the cost and based on the amount of value in there. So be sure to check that out. There will be pre-sale stuff down below for it. But also, if you're watching this just on June 15th or later, you can just check in the description and the link to all the information for the draft guide will be there. So thank you so much for tuning into this one. My name is Sal Vetri. I will see you all in the next one and peace out game.